welcome to death row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got your plan touched butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode six. I am MMA State of Mind, Bob Voss, here with Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope, Just Win. Uh, coming off a little bit of a painful event, but we're going to get you that money back. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing wonderful, my man. Now, we would like to be coming back with you with some wins, but you know what? We'll get it back. We always do. Uh, we're going to quick recap. Uh, UFC Boston. Okay, we're gonna jump all the way from Boston to Singapore later tonight. But as of right now, we're gonna start off with Kyle Bokniak, who lost the decision to the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series alum, Sean Woodson. Uh, we Mike's pick was that. I also agree with his take on it. We lost our bet, which was uh, to win one unit. So we lost 1.35 units on that fight. I don't know if Bogniak is spent or Sean Woodson might actually just be that good. Mike, how did you see this fight going and uh, how'd you walk away with it? Like, how how did you think uh, Kyle performed? Well, um, I I was surprised with uh, the the Woodson, his opponent. I I thought that he was just for his, his UFC, his Octagon debut, his real one, I thought he was pretty impressive and just out of volume and just looked a little bit longer and uh, better than Kyle. And it's rare for a debut uh, guy to do that to a veteran. So it just is what it is. We The line movement was on our side and it just, uh, you know, we took the hit. Uh, speaking of taking hits, uh, the very next fight we're going to talk about was our next loss on this card. This one was my pick. I bet Darren Wynn at uh, minus 125 to win one unit. So that's another minus 1.25 for us. Yes, it feels like we're bleeding, but not so much. We were a total of minus 2.6 on the night, and we are currently minus 1.2 units for the podcast. This is only six episodes in. We'll obviously get this one back. And we're currently only at a slight loss. So I'm going to take that, and we're going to move forward from it, especially with these bets we got going for this card especially with some major confidence we got going on a little bit later on tonight that we're going to talk about. But Darren Wynn, first of all, he botches his weight, misses by three pounds, which still didn't bother me, but he is like a mini DC with absolute nowhere near the gas tank. And I thought that Darren Stewart wasn't going to be enough to push him to get him to that point, but uh, it ended up with a split decision I did think it was pretty clear for Stewart. Uh, I think Wynn did pretty well early on and then faded badly as the fight went on. I guess Darren Wynn isn't what we want him to be. I mean, I guess if he drops down to welterweight, but if he's not making weight at middleweight, how's he going to make it at welterweight, even though he is only 5'5"? Just has the typical, a.k.a. lack of striking offense and just got landed on i mean he controlled the space pretty well so i mean if you wanted to 
give quote octagon control quote unquote i guess he could have won two out of three rounds but he was getting landed on with a decent frequency so darren win even though you're early in your ufc tenure you have made your way to my no bet list which currently stands at about 10 fighters but hey man you made it congratulations Mike, how'd you Mike? How'd you see this fight? Were you impressed with uh, Darren Stewart, or more just deflated with how Darren Wynn performed? Uh, more deflated with uh, <clears throat> Darren Wynn. I just uh, I had higher higher hopes for him, and I just he just fell short, way short, as short as he is. And uh, I I <clears throat> I'll never bet him again, just like you. I'll look to bet against him, especially versus another uh, anyone with some kind of wrestling takedown defense. Uh, his cardio isn't there, and his his striking is not diverse enough. And so uh, I had uh, Stewart winning too. And I just <clears throat> I don't like the bad. I didn't like the bad start at the at the weigh-ins, but we record pretty early, so we don't really get a choice. Oh yeah, well even if we record when we used to, the only way you're going to get those weigh-ins is if you record immediately after. And honestly, he still looked fine. He he seemed to be more the weight cut of, hey, I'm not close. So I'm not going to push myself. And that's what has those weigh-in odds and win-loss ratios skewed. Because you have someone that loses misses by three pounds. So that's missing weight. Missing by half a pound. That's still missing weight too. But the person that only missed by half a pound just grinded and grinded to the very end to try to make it. Well, their cardio might be screwed up. Their entire game plan might be deflated. So many things could be different. Whereas somebody who's like, man, I'm not going to make it. I might as well miss by three pounds. Just give them a percentage of my purse. Those people save themselves. They didn't quite go to the brink. So I guess they might not be as dehydrated in the brain, but I guess it didn't help Darren win. Then I guess that extra three pounds was the hidden key to his gas tank maybe or something. But Speaking of gas tanks, in somewhat of a different way, uh, in the next fight we're going to talk about, Greg Hardy won but then didn't versus Ben Sosely. Uh The big controversy is in between the second and third round, Ben Hardy took out his inhaler. Apparently he has exercise-induced asthma, which I was unaware of, and was asked if he could take it. The cage-side, I believe it was the cage-side physician, Asked if it was okay. He said it was USADA approved and went ahead and took it. According to his team, that was listed on his medical stuff. According to the commission, he did not. So they overturned it like three hours later to a no contest, which makes no sense. And the only reason I'm I'm big on this is I had a, a parlay with it that has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that almost every time, every other time a situation like this happens, the ruling stands. And then, yes, you can bring it um, to the athletic commission at a later date and try to contest it and get it switched then. So, I don't know. I'm just very confused why it got switched a few hours after the fact. seems like a very brash, quick result that didn't seem to make sense to me. And just a quick pause before I kick it to you. Uh, Normally, uh, in between the recap and then the preview is when we do news and breaking news. But uh, since this one is related to this fight, JDS has withdrawn as of today from his main event versus Alexander Volkov in Moscow. And Greg Hardy has stepped up. So uh, in the coming months, when the UFC goes to Moscow, it is going to be Greg Hardy 
in his first main event, first time out of the country for fighting, versus Alexander Volkov. Awesome. I know, crazy, right? Huge step up. He's been asking for it. Well, rather, people on Twitter have been asking for it. Well, here it is. Mike, what's your uh, impression of the fight that happened? The situation with the inhaler, the overturning of the fight, and I guess now the new main event for the UFC Moscow car we're looking forward to. Yeah, well, I, I thought it was crazy that uh, they let they, they let anyone do, use a medicine inside of the ring or it just especially one that helps you breathe better. Um, it's pretty shady. I thought, I, I'm not a big Grady Hardy fan, so I, I just, I'm waiting for him to fight a real fighter so I could bet against him. So I'm stoked to hear the news about uh, Volkov in uh, Russia because I think that's just the type of guy that I would uh, love to throw my money on versus him. Um I just I I'm now that you told me about the that fight I just I'm, I cannot wait for Russia and all the the hype that's going to go around it and uh, hopefully there's some bad blood between the two so they could uh, get get some more hype going. No, I'm absolutely for it. I actually I almost wish he was fighting. I mean, I wanted to see him get a step up because this was this last fight was for sure a step down. I I almost wish he had a, a heavyweight with a little bit more power because I I want to see his chin test and see see if he has one. Volkov isn't much of a finisher other than just with attrition. So, I don't know. I'm just, just really interested to see how the, how, the, how the fight goes. I actually do think it's funny. Um, people were talking, uh, his inhaler gave him, like, superhuman abilities and he was going to be able to win <laughs> the third round when, like, I would say, arguably, he worked the, looked the worst the third round than he did the entire fight. And as far yeah. as I understand, you might know more about this with your history uh, as an EMT, but as far as I understand it, it takes a good 10 to 15 minutes, if not longer, to like get the full, I guess, effect of an inhaler if you have asthma. Do, do you have any? Uh, well, I actually, that? I actually have a, I have I had asthma when I was younger as a kid, and I, I used the exact Venolin inhaler that he used. And I know for a fact personally that there's not there's nothing's going to help you once you have an asthma attack. Once your uh, your bronchioles are all inflamed deep in your lungs, you're you're just you're you're not you're just fighting and praying to just get more oxygen in you. Let alone trying to stay in the fight. So he I, he was at a disadvantage once his asthma attack kicked in. I don't know. I just think it's crazy that he's been fighting this long, and even before that, played football was so long with exercise induced asthma. I don't <clears> think that that would be a a major hindrance and I, I guess it still might be but whatever i guess that's beside the point i'm just a little blown away by that whole situation moving on because we obviously have to we got to keep the show going on one thing that you and i were big on we were big on it i'm surprised we didn't bet it and actually i don't know if it made it on the show but we for sure talked about it either before or after how much i wanted to play lozon in round one but we both did not want the lozon fade we thought there was going to be something special with this guy, with the time off, with being in Boston, just going out one more time versus a relative nobody. And, man, he came in a stylish fashion. He looked probably better than he has in a while. I mean, physically. I don't even mean, like, in the fight. Like, he looked very well conditioned and actually looked healthy for the first time in a, in a long, long time. And, man, he took out Jonathan Pierce, the guy that everyone was tapping as the guy to retire Lozon for whatever reason, I still don't know. And he took the guy out. 
and he was the underdog. The only thing that kept me away from that first round prop was it was actually fairly low because I think a lot of people were thinking same as me and probably same as you. So how, how great was it to see uh, Lozon just just get that win in Boston? How, how great was that, man? Uh, well, it was awesome to see a veteran finally go out go out with a win because it doesn't happen very often. I'm especially proud that you and I didn't bet his opponent because a lot of people were on the fade Lausanne train because I was on it for a few fights, number two or three. But sometimes you got to jump off that ship whenever uh, he's fighting someone that doesn't have the experience. And you and I both knew that the veteran didn't had more experience in the situation. And that all paid off. And he did. He looked killer. He, I mean, to be honest, he looked like he was on some kind of performance-enhancing substance because he looked super, super healthy again. Um, maybe TRT replacement. I don't know what it was, but I, I'm happy for him because he, he, his body deserves it after depleting it for so long. It's his last fight, and uh, I'm, I'm just stoked for him and his family to get a little win bonus. No, absolutely. He, he absolutely deserved that with everything his family's gone on. Um, now coming up, I guess not the co-main event, the co-co-main event, um, Macy Barber absolutely buzzsawed through Jillian Roberts. Uh, I did think Barber was going to win. I actually had her in a parlay, but I thought this was going to be a little bit closer of a fight and actually push her a little bit given Jillian Roberts, um, ground game. Uh, I know he had talked about that for a while. But, man, she's just absolutely looking great. And she's been calling out Paige Van Zandt. Big, big shout-out to uh, James Lynch at The Score and the interview he's done with her. He was the one who made that original question that has turned into kind of a thing. But I absolutely would love to see that fight because it's name value, and there's not much name value at 115 or 125, these fights being at 125, but Paige kind of bouncing between the two. And obviously, yes, Macy Barber would just completely destroy her given the striking differential between the two. Um, how do you feel about this 21-year-old? Do you think, not right away, but at some point may have a chance to f- beat or at least be competitive with Shevchenko? And if not, like where would you like to see her next? Do you like the Paige Van Zant fight? And, just, I guess, anything else you took from that Macy Barber performance? Uh, Macy Barber, I picked her. I mean, I picked her to win that fight. <clears throat> I know she, she's just super aggressive, and I, I love that. So, But she definitely is not ready for any Valentina type of aggression or MMA experience. Uh, in the future, man, she has such... To me, she has the aggression and the striking that I like to see in a, a fighter because she puts out so much volume in it. It's pretty vicious, um, but I, I, I don't think that Valentina is a, a good matchup for her because uh, Valentina is very similar to her, I feel like. Now, we finally got, we talked about this last time, not exactly a rematch, but, but kind of a rematch. In the co-main event of this, we finally had Jeremy Stevens fight Yair Rodriguez in an actual fight. Not a I'm so pissed. Fight. I'm so pissed, dude. So pissed. Well, this is because we switched. <laughs> God, dude, not not only because we switched, but but all, only because of the way Yair reacted last time in the fight that didn't happen. But we fucking had Yair. We wanted Yair. We slammed Yair. We we knew we we fucking had his back last time, 
I, I fucking hate Yair now. <laughs> Son of a bitch, dude. Piece of shit. If he wouldn't have acted like such a jackass over there, we would have just rolled in the style and slammed him again, bro. Oh, yeah. It would have been. But honestly, I do think the three-round fight oh, yeah. him better. Well, that was my main trepidation the first time they fought and why, like, I had a good amount of money in him, but not a ridiculous amount, just because that fourth and fifth round scared me, man. And honestly, like, this fight kind of shows it, because he clearly won the first, he was dominant in the second, and then Steven started pulling away in the third. So, I mean, if there was a fourth and fifth, who knows? But also, if there's a fourth and fifth, I don't know if Yair tries to go for the finish as hard in that second round and kind of gasses himself out. But, I don't know, man. Yair looked great. Was taking some body shots and just like a champion, just kept going. So I, I just want him to fight more frequently and just see what he could actually do. I mean, we're kind of on a yeah, your fights every like nine to eighteen months right now, which is not good for a young fighter. So if he really wants to be something, he needs to fight more frequently. Uh, one th- actually, one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit. I know it's a little bit kind of how Jeremy Stevens is. He goes on and on and on about how he wants to literally kill Yair. He made it precious that he was literally going to do it. He wasn't going to do his job unless he actually killed him. Like, repeated it a million times, agnosium, to the point that you're like, okay, dude, we kind of get what you're doing, but you're pushing it to the point of uncomfortability. <laughs> that, that, that did bother me. But then what bothered me the most was you lost the fight, and then you hug it out at the end. I mean, I have no issue with putting it all out in the octagon and guys hugging it out, and that doesn't bother me. It's you went so hard in the paint mm-hmm. before the fight, and then it's gone. Like a little tiff, a little bit of beef back and forth, especially trying to sell the fight. You guys hug it out. Yeah, go. I'm all for that. Respect. Awesome. But you went so hard, and then you just let it go and walked away i mean i don't know that was that was a little too much for me that was a little bit too much like two-faced situation for me that i couldn't yeah. quite stand it but i mean i guess it was that that might just be more of a me thing i mean some people probably loved it but because everyone's always loving the respect and i and i enjoy it too but it's sometimes it's like sometimes when it's like a grudge match i want it to be a real grudge match like sometimes the yeah. fight doesn't end it i mean especially if it's not like a clear i knocked you out you knocked me out or Whatever. Well, either way, we're going to move on to the main event before I start waxing poetic anymore. Chris Weidman moves up to 205 and gets laid out by Dominic Reyes. Like, it was beautiful. And we talked about it a little bit on the preview beforehand. I mean, Weidman was looking forward to John Jones and, like, talking about, like, this foregone conclusion. And Okay, well, I got, I got two questions for you because, I mean, uh, I picked uh, Reyes. I didn't bet him because he had his price had jumped up. I actually wish I got him at the minus 150 that I saw so many people get. But so two questions for you. Just overall thoughts on the fight. And then second is a question about the moving up in weight because you hear some people talk about how it's the be-all, end-all. It fixes everything. Others talk about how it's the worst thing ever. I'm just starting to notice all of these guys that are doing it in the twilights of their career. These guys that took a lot of damage and fought the best of the best. These guys that are moving up, they're getting destroyed. 
Oh, you mean Whereas, like Rashad Rashad Evans? Yeah, that type Rashad, of guy? Rashad oh, yeah. Evans, Weidman, Rockhold, all these guys that were in like the big wars and yep. are just trying something new or like hit a rock in a hard place. They're not the ones that are doing well with the change. The guys that are doing well with the change are the guys that like maybe lost a couple decisions or lost like one or two semi big fights, but you know, you're still probably going to be faster than the guys ahead and you still are relatively young, both like ride Weidman, Rockhold, uh, Rashad, like you brought up any of these guys, they have so many fight miles on them that I don't think a little jump up in weight and 20 pounds of, on Weidman didn't look like muscle or anything because like he looked more muscular in his heyday at 185. But so I, I guess my, my, yeah, yeah, that too. <clears throat> I guess my question is overall thoughts on the fight and what you think of Dominic Reyes going forward to eventually fight John Jones. And then the second one, your thoughts on the the weight the weight move cure. I guess I'm trying to find a better way to put it, but I guess I'll put it that way for this. Well, Reyes looked uh, amazing, man, for fighting a former champion. But uh, both you and I both knew that uh, Chris Weidman was too small for this division, especially this day and age. Um, it, it was a, a great performance for Reyes, especially the, the way he you know knocked him down and then hit him, pushed his legs to the side and got him in the jaw with a like a downward fist. Um, John Jones, John Jones whooped the shit out of Reyes. So I don't, I don't think, I don't know if Reyes really wants that smoke, but I mean, he could come get it. And let's see, Reyes, uh, Weidman, the weight cutting, um, the weight cutting, the weight going up. It, the going up in weight, I don't know when that's ever been good. I mean, ever since the history of, since wrestling has been, has existed. People have cut weight for a reason. There's no one that's gone up in weight for a reason. You know, it's like it's it's pretty rare that you're that special of an athlete that you're gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna go up in weight, even though I've been losing down at my other weight. You know, like I, I don't get it. I don't see it. Some the only one I do believe in is uh, like weight cutting. If someone wants to drop down a division and they've been in the wrong division all this time, I could see how that could be a cure. But most of the time, these guys are just. They don't know what the fuck's going on. Besides, they're getting hit by trains all the time, so they're just you know running run for the tracks somewhere else. So, um, Father Time is catching up with all these guys, and he he's not being nice, man. He he's he's slamming these motherfuckers with a mallet. No, no, I'm completely with you on there, especially like in the case of like specifically Weidman and Rockhold, with how much damage those guys took their last number of fights at middleweight. And then they just saw a couple middleweights move up and have success, and they were just thinking it was going to be easy. They guaranteed they overlooked every the, each one of their opponents at 185, and man, they felt it. Well, we're jumping from Boston to Singapore. If you're going to watch these fights live, do not forget to set your alarm. Uh, I believe this is ESPN Plus card. I think so. Either way. Uh, it's going to be starting early, but hey, early morning MMA is done early. <laughs> I'll be at work. I'll be at work while they're watching fights. Hey, there you go. And I mean, I know Friday night there's a Bell Tour card, which we're not going to talk about because no one wants to talk about Frank Mir versus Roy Nelson 2. 
or pretty much Gross. any other fight on that card. So we're skipping that card. Um, we're going to go into the UFC Singapore card. Uh, the first fight we're going to talk about, this is a fight where Mike has a pick. I'm just going to quick introduce everybody, and I will let Mike take it away, and I may or may not go against his pick. Likely not, given who's in this. But, okay, so bear with me. Um, the first fighter is Kankla Sufisara, but her nickname and what you will see her listed at on most every UFC anything is Loma Lukbunmi. And she's currently minus 20 versus the Instagram Instagirl Alexandra Albu at plus 100, who's kind of loving fighting her once a year, once every three year track and getting Instagram followers. Now, Mike, this is your fight. This is this is something you've brought up for a bet. This is not necessarily your official pick on the card, but I know you wanted to talk about it. So let's let's break it down. Well, uh, Loma is a super super aggressive striker. She has that uh, that <clears throat> that Muay Thai st- striking that people love to see, and she co- comes with volume. She catches kicks really really well and delivers kicks back with damage um she has a very good sprawl for for being from asia i i i just i like this girl and albu albu is one of those girl was one of those like you said instagram models who like Paige van zandt was in the ufc because they looked decent for a while uh, while the women's division didn't really have enough uh volume of of real fighters but now we have we have real striking, uh, you know, not, uh, nine-time Muay Thai striking champion like Loma coming in here to fight uh, a girl named Albu, who cares more about her how she looks on Instagram than she does for how she trains for her next fight. So I see Loma being super aggressive. I see I could see her just out volume voluming Albu the entire time and getting a win. I, I just don't see how uh, Albu is gonna keep up with it so this actually is going to be my pick for uh the show um i was gonna go with uh, with maya too but i think that i like uh this this fight a little bit better because albu's uh, striking is not on the same level as this thailand this thai girl so i'm gonna throw down uh one point one point or one one point two units on her to win one awesome man i agree to as big as extent as I can, not knowing too much about Loma, just kind of knowing the deficiency of, of Albu. I can't imagine you're going to lose that one. Now, moving on, we have Muslim Selikov, who is a Dagestani striker. I know, kind of a misnomer, but dude's got some serious power and some serious heat versus Loreno Staropoli. I think I got that one right. He's at plus 150. Uh, Selikov has looked really good in the UFC so far. Uh, he does have a submission loss against Alex Garcia in the second round. And the reason that that means a little bit of something is usually by the second round, Alex Garcia has no gas to do anything. So Selikov does have a little bit of vulnerability on the ground, which is understandable. But dude is an insane striker on his feet he is fast he's got power it's fairly devastating now you may remember uh Stropoli. he most recently beat 
Tiago Alves, which at this point, if you're being Tiago Alves, yes, that's a name, but I'm not necessarily sure that's a big check mark for you. So honestly, as long as Sokolov, uh, Salikov can keep his on the feet, I think he cruises. Uh, if the line was a little bit better, he might actually be a pick because he's so devastating. But uh, and since uh, Stropoli is halfway decent on the ground, but I don't think he's the type of wrestler to get Salikov down and do anything with it. So uh, no bet for me on this one, but my pick will be uh, Salikov. And jumping back quick to the last one, since I didn't have a bet on it, I'm going to follow Mike, but just as a pick for Loma, since we're starting, we're trying to keep track of our picks as well going forward. So Mike, how do you feel about the Salikov fight versus the Tiago Alves I can't even say killer because he went to decision. Uh, uh, Staropoli. Um, Muslim, I, I feel like Dave, this is a, a spotlight for him. I think that he could, he should do some devastating damage on the Staropoli. I, I don't, I don't even understand uh, what he does. I don't, I don't even know why he's here. So I think he's that guy's supposed to be Argentinian, and uh, he's definitely just he's here to entertain the Russian. The Russian fans, the Asian fans, everyone on that side of the world, that's why uh, a Muslim is here, is to, so he can perform for those people. Now, in our next fight, we have, uh, I got this right, former Francis Ngannou training partner, Cyril Gane, at minus 300, versus Don Tale Mayo. Now, I may have miswritten one of those letters, but that it's approximately what it is. <laughs> no, he's plus 250. Um, I think this is absolutely a setup fight. The UFC likes Gane. They know he is violent and he is strong. He's basically like a lighter version of Ningano. I don't necessarily even necessarily mean weight. I more mean just an earlier version of him, a prototype version of him from a little bit longer ago. And I do think he's going to do something violent, uh, likely in the clinch is where I think he is going to finish it. But I'm staying away from any kind of bet on this one because he's still just green enough that something fluky could happen. But I think he's going to cruise here. So my pick will be Gane, even though, yes, minus 300 favorite. I'm going way out there, but that's where I'm at with it. Mike, how do you feel about this fight? I think that the, the Gagne is going to win. I, th- I think that he's they're setting him up as well. And uh, it should be a pretty exciting fight, however it doesn't. I'm going to say what every single podcast or interview you will likely hear this week about Frank Camacho versus Benel Darius. Frank Camacho is the nicest guy in the sport. He's just so nice. Sorry, I've already heard that interviewed enough times just this early in the week that I wanted to stop. So I'm just going to throw that out there as a warning to all of you. Apparently, he's really nice to interview. <laughs> never had never the pleasure or anything like that, but I, I have heard it no less than six times between eight or nine different people that I've so far heard their take on this specific fight. But <laughs> well, I don't know. If, anyone, if, anyone's <laughs> met, if anyone has any friends from Guam, most of those people have really good vibes, so I can see why he's a good dude. Well, there you go. Well, he's currently plus 145 versus Benel Dariush at minus 165. Um, 
I wouldn't say how mighty have fallen because I don't think he's fallen that far. I just think Darius kind of has always had a suspect chin, and I think it's in the way sometimes in terms of skill for skill. I think he is far and away the better fighter of the two. I think his ground game is better. Um, I think he has better boxing. Uh, in general, he does throw a, pr- a pretty mean kick uh, from his time at King's MMA, although I haven't seen that too much in his most recent fights. But it's definitely still there. Uh, I favor him relatively big, but at minus 165, not something I want to bet on, especially ooh, until he shows that he could take some head strikes and keep on moving. But uh, my pick will be Dariush, and I am sorry to Frank, Mr. Nice Guy Camacho. Mike, how do you feel about Benny, Benny D versus, I don't know, Frankie, Frankie Camo? Uh, I mean, you pretty much said it. Benil Dariush, he's a, he's a great athlete, it, it, world-class in many things. His chin is his biggest problem, so I I don't know, man. I, I, I'm having a hard time imagining Benil Dariush getting um, Frank Camacho's back for some reason without taking a lot of punishment. And I don't know if he could take all that punishment. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my boy from Guam. Uh, so I got a lot of friends from Guam. And uh, Frank Camacho, Mr. Nice Guy, I hope that he uh, can pull this off. Former Benel Dariush opponent, Michael Johnson, is in the co-main event against Stevie Ray. Yes, that is the co-main event of an actual UFC fight card in 2019. Michael Johnson is fighting Stevie Ray. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. Like, not, the, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the first fight in the televised prelims on just about any other card. Like this wouldn't even be the main event on the prelims to like convince people to buy said pay-per-view. And they're co-main eventing, and neither Dude, of them have this, any ties in this area. This would, <laughs> this would have been one of the early fight pass prelims. They would have sold you to please buy the the fight pass. Oh, dude, this would be back when, uh, before they had the Facebook prelims. You know, when there was always like two or three, <laughs> yeah. dar- two or three dark fights per pay per view. Yeah. And yep. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mean, but Michael Johnson has fallen off huge in favor. Um, he's coming off a devastating KO loss to uh, uh, they Josh both Emmett. are right. Uh, was that was that Ray's last fight or is it the fight before that? I thought he just died recently. Oh, he know. did recently. I just can't remember if it is. I can't remember if it's the most if it was his oh, last yeah. fight or the one before he, no, that. He died recently. It oh was no, recently. yeah, do yeah, Leandro, <laughs> Leandro Santos just yeah. completely he, laid him I, the heck yeah. out. And they both seen Jesus. They both have seen Jesus lately, and mm-hmm. I don't know who's gonna go back to see him again. I mean, the only thing so. I'm gonna give to Michael Johnson, and it's what everyone will give him because it is, and it's why we thought so highly of him because he's got some decent wrestling, and dude has about the fastest, stiffest jab out there at this weight class. I mean, I'm happy to see he's back at 155, and he's no longer messing down at 45 because I was utterly shocked he was gonna make that weight. He wasn't a huge 55er, but he was a massive 45er. I don't know how he made that weight. So I think he will get the win here because, honestly, I think Stevie Ray caught a nice little mini wave 
when he beat Ross Pearson and Joe Lozon back to back, but when they were both fading away, like when Ross Pearson was just before he got kicked out of the UFC, and when Lozon was just starting to kind of go win one, lose one, and then he got KO'd by Felder. Then he actually lost a decision to Cajun Johnson. Yeah, he actually did. Uh, beat a bum, and then got laid out by Leandros, Leonardo Santos. Although you can't give him too much grief for that, because Leandro Santos is the craziest, most makes-no-sense 55-er in all of the UFC. Dude fights once every like year to like three years. He comes, beats somebody, and then goes back into obscurity. Like, he has a submission win over Anthony Rocco Martin. He's got uh, a TKO win over Kevin Lee. He beat Adriano Martins. He knocked out Stevie Ray. Like, he beat Efren Escadero back when that actually meant something. <laughs> like, all this stuff. He's just, he's 17-3-1, and, and he's 39. But dude just never fights. But when he does, he sneaks up on someone like Kevin Lee or Stephen Ray, who's not ready for him, and just takes the person clean out. Um, I think a similar thing could happen here um, with Michael Johnson's uh, jab just straight up in Stevie Ray's face. I don't think Stevie Ray has the power to get Michael Johnson down because for a little while everyone was thinking Stevie Ray was this kind of ground-and-pound guy, and I just don't think he has it there. Obviously, Michael Johnson has his issues and his propensity to just give up fights and give up subs. But I think Michael Johnson will win this, and we can fade away from this no-make-sense co-main event. (laughs) Um, How do you feel about this fight? Do you think Mr. Braveheart is going to do something, or do you think... uh, I'll say he's the, he was the menace for a while. Oh, he's still the menace. Okay, Michael Johnson can actually pull it off. Well, I think William Wallace would be pretty pissed off that Stevie Ray took his name and sucked so much dick. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, now, Michael Johnson has way too much experience for Mr. Earl Ray here. I mean, I, I, I don't know if uh, he's too blind to see it, but Stevie is going to get smoked by michael johnson michael's uh michael throws really straight punches and he's got a good good left hand and i think that will find uh stevie's chin i'm just trying to think about which round it's going to be in uh, I, I think it's going to be within one or two so uh, if there's a, a good under you guys can get on i think i think that that's going to happen because i just see some some major fists flying and uh one of these guys chins not hanging Quick see. Oh, no, right now they just have a fight. Hey, fight doesn't go to decision. It's plus 120. They don't even have an under on it yet, but currently the fight doesn't go to decision. It's plus money. So, hey, that's not that's, the worst thing. That's pretty, that's pretty good odds for both to have both fighters and under three, under three rounds. Well, exactly, because especially because as we talked about, I mean, Michael Johnson should win, and he will likely yep. finish. But he does give those fluke subs up every once in a while, so you kind of get some cushion there. Oh, that's a good amount of money. I might keep my, keep my eye on that, especially when they uh, release uh, the rounds, which by now they usually have. But obviously, random ESPN Plus card in Singapore isn't the highest of priorities. Well, let's go to the highest of priorities for this fight card. That'd be the main event. Damian Maya is fighting. Uh, sorry, Damian Maya is plus 160. He's fighting. Ben Askren, currently minus 25, who's trying to erase the memory of the most insane early fight, sensational 
knockout that will likely happen for at least a few years to come when Jorge Masvidal just highlighted every highlight that exists and he's trying to write that wrong. Um, me and Mike were talking a little bit before uh, we recorded breaking down this fight as he was going back and forth to see if this was going to be his pick or not. And I don't know what to do with Ben Askren. I was a big fan of his for a long time. I actually made a lot of money on him, both in Bellator uh, and in one. But he hasn't really had a full UFC fight yet. Like, he got laid out so fast in his recent fight. In his first fight, he was getting lamb-blasted and then got the quote-unquote sub. And I think, I can't remember what, uh, I saw someone bust out a statistic that Ben Askren has landed zero significant strikes in his two <laughs> UFC fights, and Damian Maia has landed three significant fights in his la- uh, significant strikes. Excuse me, in his last two fights. Yes, those are both wins. Uh, I just think it's crazy to think of that. But normally, Damian Maia has issue with these powerhouse wrestlers that can keep the fight standing, and then they have superior boxing and more power and. They just get Damian Maia on either power or output, just depending on those things. Askren isn't that blast double, super strong type guy that's going to do that. I mean, he probably could stay on his feet if he really wants to and put a lot of energy towards it. But he doesn't have the striking. Like His striking has always been just terrible. It's decent on the ground, just based off output, but not even a lot of strength. So I I, I don't know. Um, I agree with a point that you had brought up about Maya being the better striker. I think he might be because he's got more time actually devoted to it. But uh, I guess in terms of a pick, I'll go with Maya the underdog. But I do not have a bet on this fight. Um, I'm not sure what I would need to see to make that happen, but that that more comes from my just having no idea where Ben Askren actually is in relation to the talent of the 170 division than anything. But Mike, I know you have a stronger lean on this fight, and I always love here you give a breakdown for Damian Maya, so take it away. Well, you know I love me some Damian Maya. There's no, there's a real no nicer guy than uh, Damian Maya and a better representative of our sport. I I just don't see how Ben Askren is not going to be able to outstrike Damian Maia. I just it's just not going to happen. Uh, um, I I think that Maya Maya can possibly damage Askren and make him wobble. Man, I, I just I think Askren's in for a rude awakening when it comes to that. So I I don't think that Maya's scared at all to be taken down. I think he's drilled multiple, multiple submissions that it, he could use while someone's going in for a double leg, a single leg, and uh, et cetera. So I, I just know that Maya is so, so smart. I, I don't I don't see him not coming in there with a game plan for a specific wrestler that only has wrestling. Um, uh, Askren has no, no confidence in his striking, none at all. Maya has stood in the octagon with the best Walter Waits in the world. He stood there for five rounds and not got knocked out by them. I, I, I think people are doubting Maya too much. 
I don't see I don't see this at all. I don't understand why he's an underdog. That's another reason why I was gonna uh, pick him as a bet. But because it's a weird fight, I decided to pick something else where I saw a, just a better advantage in the striking, just clearly. But I, I just think that this is a great spot for Damian Maya to get a win here. I think that it, it will if Damian can't submit him, he can knock him out and he could even get a decision win. I, I just I don't see how what Askren's going to do to Damian Maya. Not to mention, Damian Maya is bigger than him. No, yeah, I would definitely agree there. And he's actually also used to wrestling much bigger bodies, given that he was one at one eighty five for so long. Yeah, exactly. And only the absolute elite, elite specimens, like not even just elite, but the elite specimens, strength wise, at one seventy, have been able to do anything to him in terms of like just grip and power. Watch um, that TKO KO prop cast for Maya, bro. That'd be so fucking funny. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Well, if they a five round fight, I mean, there's time to build stuff up. I mean, I mean that there's a chance Askren's chin is gone. I mean, there's not evidence there yet, but I mean, if Ask- if Maya would take him out, that would definitely would uh, lead credence to that argument. Now, I know what a lot of people right now are currently thinking. They are thinking, but wait, you only gave out one bet for this fight card, and you said that Bellator on Friday was awful. Both true. But there is <laughs> one fight that, if you've been a long-time listener of the show or the previous Hell show, yeah. a fight you know that we have talked about and just salivated over, just just salivated over. Let's go, Lima. They knew we were going to have it. Oh, man. D- Douglas Lima, former welterweight champion at Bellator, is taking on current champion... At, and this is for the welterweight finals also Rory McDonald okay now Douglas Lima is currently minus 160 I'm actually kind of a little bit mad at that uh, and I'll explain why in a minute um, Rory McDonald is plus 140 now these two men have fought before this is a rematch in the initial fight Lima was a little bit of a dog not crazy but he was at dog money he completely took Rory Max legs Rory ended up winning the decision but Rory got carted off because he couldn't walk. And Lima, although battered, was definitely looking the more handsome at the end of it, if you know what I'm talking about. Rory's nose is being held on by a thread. His legs, with Lima there, are going to be held on by a damn thread. And if any of you have watched Rory McDonald's recent performances, he doesn't want to be there anymore. He wants to be done He's talked about moving on, no longer fighting. He doesn't even know what it means to do it anymore. The, the killer instinct is gone. He's not the Canadian psycho anymore. He's not the Red King anymore. Heck, he's reverted back to when he was first in the UFC and his nickname was the Waterboy. That's how far <laughs> back he has gone. Now, Douglas Lima has consistently been an absolute killer at 170. He is huge for the division and I absolutely love him here. Now I got him at minus 165, but it's not just a guy I'm at minus 165. This is going to be the biggest bet I've ever given out on here. And this is actual money that I put down. So trust me, I believe in it. I would say it's a max bet, but it's just under. And the only reason it's just under is just the way the math works out. Uh, for the minus 165, I got him at, I had to put down 
just under five units. It's like 4.95. I would have to double check, but 4.95 units to win three. So I have all of that money on our big man, Douglas Lima. And I just Let's think he, he is going to just, is not going to be good. It's not going to be pretty. Douglas Lima still has a mad chin on him. And he is just going to land on those legs, and Rory is just going to back down, and he's going to hang him up, and he's going to be okay with that. And Lima gets his belt back, baby. I am so pumped for this fight. Mike, are you as pumped for this fight as I am? Oh, hell yeah, dude. It's it's max bet season, baby. It's the first time ever in the history of all the episodes we've done, not just on this show, but even the last that we pulled out a max bet. And we, we've never done this because we've never been so confident as something like this. Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald is Pinocchio, okay? His nose, like you said, is hanging on by a thread. He doesn't like being here. He's, he's, he's hoping to go to Disneyland with his kids. Now, I, I don't know what he's going to do. The only chance that Rory McDonald has... He better go in there with the best wrestling game plan he's ever seen and just pray that that works for five rounds. And I, I just don't I just don't see it. The leg kicks that he took last time were so damaging. Lima knows that this time. It's it's going to be implemented in his game plan even more. Um, Rory doesn't want to be there even more. It's a perfect pass the, the, you know, the torch over to Lima so he could shine real bright for Bellator as uh, McDonald goes off into the sunset and goes back to Canada to shovel snow. Now, quickly before we leave, just do what we're doing to do our quick overview of the bets. And actually, never didn't realize till this very moment, but I'm loving how this works out. And Mike, I think you'll like this too. We currently have uh, Loma 1.2 units, or that's to win one unit. And we have Lima at Minus 165 to win three units. So we got ourselves Lima and Loma right here for the win, people. So <laughs> dude, it is, it's, it's Lima and Loma Saturday, man. We're going we're gonna to win you so, a little bit of money in the morning. We're going to win you that big money on Saturday night. And you're just going to go into Sunday just loving it. And honestly, keep an eye on the price. Uh, I got minus 165. It's already down to minus 160. I do think there is going to be some line movement post the UFC since it's such an early morning card and the bellator fights will not be towards that night so if you have a leaning and you think money's gonna come a certain way that's going to be your prime spot to hit it so before i get too riled up and can't sleep tonight over the douglas lima rory mack fight i just want to kick it over to mike and mike got anything else to add or anything you want to bring up anything you want to shout out or anything like that before we say goodbye to these people this week uh no we just like to thank all you guys for uh sticking through with us uh, we're trying more and more to get you better content, whether it's graphics. Card- they just make card- Bob and I into sweet-ass cartoons that I never imagined would come out to be so cool. So go check those out. And uh, I know they're going to do some other animation stuff with us. It's just uh, awesome what's going on. And uh, just keep, just wait for us to get back on iTunes and on all the other podcast things. We're almost to the 10 episodes needed uh, to get back there. Yeah, again, man, thanks all of you guys. If you can, one way you can support currently is both subscribing to subscribing and sharing to the YouTube once it's available, which will likely be sometime tomorrow, which I don't know why I'm saying that because you'll be listening to it then, not right now. 
So we're in the future. <laughs> Disregard the last 30 seconds of stuff I said. Um, please uh, subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel and just retweet and share ever-loving hell out of it. If you would, we want a good footing before we do our big launch when we're back on iTunes and we start introducing all the other stuff that we have hinted at to you guys over these last now six weeks. So thank you all. And you know what? Let's make some money. Peace.